T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Go Ball Brogged. Tommy Caster. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Turn a loss into a win with BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Place a one-game parlay wager with at least four legs on any NHL game. If all legs of the parlay hit but one, you'll get your stake back in free bets up to $25. Just log into your account. Download the app and sign up with BetMGM to get started. Turn game time into showtime with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Kansas only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two of Sports Daily. Here we go. Uh, All kinds of good stuff coming for you in this hour as far as college basketball. An interesting weekend happening uh, you get KU right back at it tonight. Big Monday. I think this is the first big Monday of the season. Uh, Kansas goes to Waco. No time to think about it. 8 o'clock tonight in a game you'll hear, by the way, right here on KFH. In the interest of that game being played tonight, Tommy, let's start with KU. K-State fans will get to the Cats, their big win, uh, in just a little bit. But with KU playing on the short turnaround tonight, against Baylor we look back at the TCU game Tommy and I I think you know for the first time this year it's fair to ask the question are people worried I think people have been worried at different points I think this is the first time it's fair for that question because TCU smoked them 83 to 60 at Allen Fieldhouse at Allen Fieldhouse right um they had a, a you know a big loss to Texas recently, so it's not like this is uncharted territory. Jalen Wilson, another 30 points, and man, they struggled everywhere else in that game. TCU just, you know, they they outplayed them in every way. And it was they were in the ways that TCU is capable of, right? We if you listen to the call on KFH, you heard on the Jayhawk Network all the talk about TCU's transition defense and all the things that they uh, transition, sorry, offense and you know all the things that they do really well. Um, this is this is one of those times they did what they wanted to do. They did it better than KU. K 
K.J. Adams got in foul trouble again. To me, Tommy, that's one of the biggest keys right now is, you know, two games in a row, fouls have been a factor for K.J. Adams. And when he's not on the floor, there's a marked difference to me for KU. But I don't know. They got a chance to rebound. But this is a tough tough task to turn. And you, you wonder, and it creeps into your head, like, is there a world where KU loses three games in a row in the conference? Sure there is. Yeah. Absolutely there is. Yeah, I mean... Look, uh, there is always, and I've been a KU fan for a long time, there is always a time in the season where it looks like the sky is falling for the Jayhawks. It happened last year. It's happened. It happens basically every single year uh, where there's a a time where you're like, okay, something's going on here. It's not, it's not really working very well. What's happening. Let's break this game down a little bit. TCU had better stats in basically every area of the game than the Jayhawks did. The Jayhawks got outshot from the field. Uh, They got outshot from three. They were out-rebounded. TCU had more assists. They had more steals. They had more blocks. Kansas turned the ball over more than TCU did. Like, every every major metric, TCU did better than the Jayhawks did, and you're going to lose by more than 20 if that happens. Uh, But I think that there are legitimate concerns, as we talked about previously, about the lack of a bench and about the lack of who comes in uh, and who is able to be a secondary scorer when it's it's not working, when Grady Dick is not hitting. Uh, Grady Dick has been ice cold the last like couple of weeks. Um, it's not been good. And outside of Jalen Wilson, who had 30 points, I mean, the guy is doing everything he can to put the team on his back. Outside of Jalen Wilson, who else can you go to? Um, we know that Wilson's going to take a lot of shots um, and he's going to get his, but that hasn't been enough the last two games. And I was less worried after the Kansas State game because it was an overtime, one-point loss on the road. Jalen Wilson put on a heroic performance for Kansas. And I thought, okay, they'll bounce back. It'll be okay. They'll get it figured out. And this this was kind of a slap in the face a little bit for the Jayhawks. Um, so I, I absolutely think that if they don't figure out what they're going to do with their depth and figure out who's going to score outside of Jalen Wilson – then yeah, there's absolutely a scenario where they can lose three games in a row in conference play. Yeah, and it, it's um, I don't know if I don't know how worried I am. I I don't think this takes me off. Ku repeating as a national champion because I I definitely still think they're capable, and I don't and I for the same reasons there is always the sky is falling. I try to look at it like okay. What is what here is solvable, right? Like, what can they do? And right now, it's it is keep KJ Adams on the floor and out of foul trouble. And the other one that's fairly obvious to us is get Grady Dick going, right? They they very clearly need Grady Dick to be a consistent scorer. And he was three of been, thirteen from the field on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't, you know, that, that comes with time. It's always hard to rely on that from a freshman, especially when it's on a team where you're not going to be, like there's no scenario where Grady Dick's ever going to be asked to be the first option. That, that you know, so yes, we have seen true freshmen come be that in years past, but not when they have another clear-cut All-American on the roster that is going to be asked to do that, which Kansas has for J- with Jalen Wilson. So it is a little bit tough and a little bit different for Grady Dick. And, you know, I, I think there are still so many things he's got to learn and do, and he will. 
because he has, you know, in for for my money, the best coach in America, getting that out of him. But man, they, there was no Bill Self was calling timeouts like it was just never like they they just got smoked on Saturday, and in that. That is a little bit surprising for them to get smoked at home like that with a team with this much experience on it. Um, I didn't expect that. Tonight's a big night for them. I think it, you know, absolutely you could see them come out and do everything they need to do. And KU is not favored. And I wonder when the last time that was the case, right? Baylor's favored by two. Baylor is heating up. We knew that they would. Baylor's now won four games in a row in the conference. But they've all been against the bottom of the league, right? Which is, which I know is is not much, right? They went to West Virginia and won. They beat Oklahoma State at home. They went to Lubbock and Norman and won both of those games. Most recently this weekend in a two point win over Oklahoma. So Baylor has heated back up. Baylor will jump ahead of K State in the Big Twelve standings if it wins. So will Iowa State and Kansas would sit there at work, you know, and and be looking at themselves in a position where they're in. You know, they're in sixth place, I think, if my math is correct, in the Big 12. Now, that's a lot to ask when K-State has a game in hand. And, you know, TCU's going to have a game in hand. And if they didn't win, Baylor would have a game in hand. And you're looking at that, and it just is like, whoa. And I know that's a tip of the cap to the league. And and we will get to K-State in just a little bit. But that's pretty jarring. And and I don't I, – I guess what I don't know, Tommy, is – I mean, before Saturday, we all still thought, right, I think at least you and I did, that KU was the team to beat in the league. Even after Kansas State beat him at home, it was like, it's still KU's. I don't know that that's the case right now. I don't know how you could make that case right now and say it's not Kansas State. But it's, you know, it's really interesting to see this spot because one of the big things for KU, if it wants to win a national championship, is how does this team react to this, right? Like, how do they respond to this? By far the most adversity that this group of Jayhawks has seen. And we'll see. I think that they're going to be okay. Um, I, I think that they're still very much in the mix. I still think they're a Sweet 16 team, and that probably needs to be the floor. But it is interesting times right now in Lawrence as KU tries to bounce back from Easily the most disappointing and worst loss of this season. Uh, but it's been a while since we've seen one like that where you're just like, oh, God, what was that? Well, they lost They lost uh, at home by 25 to Texas um, back in 2021. Um, so that was a pretty bad loss. I remember watching that one, and, and that was bad. Um, they just they got ran out of their own gym uh, during that game. And so that was about two years ago. That was probably the worst loss in two years for the Jayhawks. Um they struggle with teams that are big and that are athletic. And that's been kind of a trademark for the last couple of seasons for the Jayhawks. And TCU is big and athletic. When they struggled against Tennessee, Tennessee is big and athletic. Kansas State is big and athletic. I mean, it's kind of a broken record. And so, especially if you're going to have K.J. Adams in foul trouble, um, look at who they're putting on the court to replace him. They've got Zach Clements, who's kind of been the first big off the bench lately, um, and he kind of looks like a twig. Um, they've got Zuby Ejiofor and Ernest Uday, who have not really earned their way uh, into significant minutes of the rotation, um, and, and so they struggle. They, they struggle in those areas, and so you better believe that Baylor will do everything that they can to exploit that tonight. They've got Keontae George, 
who's averaging over 17 points a game for this Baylor team. And like you mentioned, they are heating up. When they lost their first three in conference play, uh, I thought, okay, there's no way that this is going to last. There's no way that they are going to continue to struggle in the Big 12. They're going to get some wins. And sure enough, they've rattled off four in a row in conference play. They've got a winning record in conference play right now. At home, they're hot, and the Jayhawks are ice cold. And so, to, you know, I answered it before, but to, to reiterate your initial question, can the Jayhawks lose three in a row? Absolutely they can tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah, of course they can. Because they because they have to, you know, because they have to go play a big game. Um, it, it, it's it, it, That's it. I mean, it's that simple. Baylor's good, and they got to go, go to Waco and play them on a short rest. I, I think that, though, it is going to be an awesome chance to see who responds well. Like, very little doubt Jalen Wilson responds well, right? Like, he's going to. Dewan Harris has to be better than he's been lately. K.J. Adams has got to stay out of foul trouble. That is the thing that cannot happen at this point. And, I mean, and what, I would stop, what would stop opponents? And I, I, I'm going to get your thoughts on this. What would stop opponents when you know that Jalen Wilson is going to shoot 20 to 25 times a game, and he's going to probably score 30 to 35 points a game? What would stop you? And I guess there's a couple different schools of thought here. What would stop you from either just completely throwing the kitchen sink at him? Because you know that really right now nobody else is establishing themselves as a scorer. Or would you rather just back off, let him get his, and know that nobody else is going to score? Yeah, I I wouldn't throw the kitchen sink at him because every opposing coach, I think, at least in recent memory, that I can recall has had a similar train of thought which is don't let Grady Dick beat you. And and that's really interesting, but I think we just keep seeing it over and over and over. And, you know, the announcers are always on it. They're always like, – that's always the topic of conversation, right? You cannot let Grady Dick get hot. Like, you can't let that happen. And so I don't think anybody wants to see Jalen Wilson, if you're the opposing coach, just go off, right, because he's an incredible player. But it seems like teams have – decided to try to take away Grady Dick as their plan of attack. Now, what what I would flip that around. If I'm an opposing coach right now, I do everything I can to attack K.J. Adams and get him in foul trouble. Like, that's it. That's the key to the game plan for me if I'm another coach. We got to get that guy in foul trouble and off the court because he is a game wrecker and a game changer. He has been... You know, obviously Jalen Wilson's been the star, but but KJ Adams has been the star, the straw that stirs the drink in a lot of games. Get him off the floor, and we can beat them. And right now, he's got a little bit in his head. He has to of I can't get into foul trouble. I can't get into foul trouble. And so that's going to be interesting to see them work through. How do they do that? Do they you know target times to get him off the floor for spurts just to to prevent that, or do they let him play through it and say? Man, you got to get out there, and you got to not get yourself in foul trouble. But if I'm the other coach, I am driving at KJ Adams every other possession, probably early in the game, to try and get him some fouls. I think that makes a lot of sense because, again, as we just talked about, um, outside of KJ Adams, they don't have any kind of big they can come off the bench and that inspires a lot of confidence, right? Not yet. Um, And 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 that's that's been a question mark. Outside of KJ Adams, who is developing in in the quickest and best way? And 
you know, at, at times in the non-conference play earlier in the season, I would have said, oh, yeah, Ernest Dude looks really good, or Zuby Edge of Four is deserving of more minutes, or that really hasn't been the case recently. And so, of course, and, and Bill Self is one of the best at this in Big 12 play, the rotation gets tighter because it's people that he trusts getting into games in the conference season when the game is on the line. And, you know, you're playing a big Monday game in primetime on ESPN on the road in a hostile environment in Baylor. Is Bill Self going to trust Ejiofor or Uday or uh, Clements? Probably not. But if he, he might be forced to if yeah. Baylor can get K.J. Adams in foul trouble. And I have, I'm curious to watch Baylor. I'll fully admit I have not watched them enough this year to know about their roster because it always changes so much uh, the way they bring players in and out. So I, I don't I don't know enough to, to know like, oh, they've got XYZ big men. I, I admittedly have not watched a ton of Baylor this year. Very, very limited amount. So, you know, I'll be watching to learn that as I go this year. Uh, real quick, let's get in the shockers and then we'll get K-State in the next segment. Wichita State gets a win. On the road against SMU, 71-69. I think in this season, we say, nice job. Job well done, right? You, you're, you've done what you needed to do in a game, and you went and got a road win in the AAC and you know, position yourself however we think they need to be positioned. Houston lost, by the way, which is just wild to think about, but they did. Temple, Temple's, I guess, good, right? But they're 12-9 and nine overall. I, I don't know what to make of Temple. But Wichita State gets a big win over a team underneath them in the standings that they needed to get. They get it. They almost blow a big lead. I, I don't think people are excited about this version of the Shockers, which is a which is a problem. I don't know what the remedy for is in the short term, um, but it is what it is. They got a road win. They turn around, and you know you're getting closer to their chance to take down Houston. But Tulane, East Carolina, coming up now, Tommy, on the schedule is interesting. Uh, you know. East Carolina's only conference win is against Wichita State, so that's a game they need to win. And Tulane probably is about where Wichita State is this year. So that's a nice chance to win. And if they can get those two wins, they've got a chance to climb back into the top half of the league and at least beat expectations of prognosticators. You know, I, I don't know what that I don't know what that's worth, but they got a road win in the conference. Okay, good job. I think it's okay. It's okay to be glass half full, you know, in, in this regard with this specific game. They scored the ball pretty well, better than we've seen them score uh, at, at times. They got out to an 8 nothing lead, so they started the game off really well. That had been a point of emphasis for a long time. They had, what, three guys in double digits. Jaquan Walton led scores with 18. Craig Porter Jr. had 11. James Rojas had 12. Um, they're just, they're very, very streaky, right? They get out to a, a, a big lead, then they give it up, and they enter into halftime down. And then they get back up to a lead and then they blow the lead and then somehow they win. Like this is not a team that when they get out to any kind of lead that you think would be comfortable, there's a chance that they could just disappear and it could go away. Um, and so that obviously is a concern. But in this regard, on the road at SMU, when wins are at a premium in this conference, you'll take it, you'll move on, you'll walk away from SMU with a victory and you'll be okay with it. Yeah, I mean it's um, it, it it you know yeah I I agree and and you know it's just sort of count down the days for me right now is like what's the really exciting thing? It's to welcome in Houston and take your shot at them. I mean that's that that is the most exciting thing I think 
that will happen for the rest of the season, right? Is that game against Houston and taking your shot against the Cougars. And now they've shown a chink in their armor, right? If Temple can beat them, maybe Wichita State can beat them at home. Uh, all right, we'll take a quick break, K-State fans. Here we go. The Cats stand alone on top of the Big 12 heap. Uh, we'll talk K-State when we return on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Tommy, it's January 23rd, and K-State sits at the top of the Big 12. I suspect today, and we'll see, I suspect that K-State will be the highest-ranked Big 12 team when those come out, the top 25, which is usually about, like, right now. So we may get that before the end of the show. I haven't seen it yet. Um, But they get the win over Texas Tech. I thought that that was a moderately dangerous game. Texas Tech is desperate right now to get that first conference win. I cannot believe they're 0-7 in the conference, but they are. And K-State handled it. They handled it fine. And they came back home and, and took care of business. And we saw Marquise Noel get back to his you know scoring ways, at least. He was phenomenal in that game. And now they get like this weird nine. Is it a 9 o'clock tip at Iowa State? Like, what in the world is that? But... They'll get that game in what becomes, you know, ultra critical right now because they're just a game ahead of Iowa State in the standings. They got to go to Ames on a late night. Interesting. Interesting. I'm not sure what's going to happen when the new poll comes out, but I think that there is, I think there is an argument to be made that the Wildcats should be, I don't know if they will be, but they should be a top five team. Um, I think they'll absolutely jump into the top 10. Uh, But I think that there isn't, like, I'm looking at these teams that are ahead of them. Of course, you know, I think right now as it stands, the Wildcats are better than the Jayhawks. They just are. Um, Houston lost. And I don't think that they are worthy of, you know, maybe they're right inside the top five, maybe right outside. Gonzaga lost. Like, there are teams that are ahead of them that I think you could make a pretty solid argument that Kansas State, is a top five team. Um, I think they'll be right outside of it when the poll comes out, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing them at like number four, or number five, somewhere right around there. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that sounds about right. Um, they, they're just, they continue like, I, and look, I don't think anybody else, any, I don't think there's anybody that watches college basketball that doesn't think that's where Kansas State needs to be. And that's realistically, how good they are, because I think we've all, you know, crossed that bridge now. Um, and they'll just keep getting tested like everybody else will in the Big 12. And they're not going to win all the rest of their Big 12 games, I don't think. Uh, but, you know, they're finding ways to to overcome their own short bench. And, you know, Ish Masood was actually on the bench, played more than bench minutes. But that was an interesting thing to see. Um, I, I think... You know, they've got two elite all-American caliber players, and it the, the role players all are totally bought in, which is what you need, right? I mean, that's what you need. And they're, and they're really good, and they were good against Texas Tech, and they did what they needed to do, and the defense was really good. And, you know, Tech probably played more of the style of game that they would have liked to play, right? Keep it relatively low scoring. It didn't matter. Kansas State got the win. By the way... Kansas State was trailing at the half, right? And at that point, you were like, okay, 
again, like this was just sort of one of those spots where Tech is just so desperate. KU's or K State's coming off the KU win, and then they came out in the second half, adjusted and blew him out. I think the the part of this, and we all love Jerome Tang for jumping into the crowd and getting the fan base, you know, motivated and hey, Sandstorm, you heard a KSU chant, and all those things are fun. But man, he is on fire coaching. Like just coaching basketball in game. He is on fire. All the adjustments are working. He is he is coaching and his staff are coaching that team the adjustments that they make and all of these things like I never suspected we would see that right now. It's the first time he's ever been a head coach and he's killing it in that regard. I think that they, in my mind right now, as I'm looking at the schedule in the Big 12 this week, this game tomorrow night is probably the game of the week in the Big 12. Um, Iowa State, they've got to try to keep pace. Um, they don't want to fall two games behind Kansas State, and that's what's on the line. Um, on top of that, the Cyclones are 10-0 and at home this season. They've not lost in Ames this season, so... Uh, there's a lot on the line for them, not only in the standings, but just also to, you know, preserve that undefeated streak at home. And then, of course, we know what the Wildcats have done. They're the darlings of college basketball right now for good reason. Uh, and it's not just a Cinderella. Oh, look at, you know, this unexpected run. Like, I think that we're all at the point now where we kind of expect it. Like it's moved from, man, can you believe what the Wildcats are doing? This is crazy to. Yeah, I believe it. Like, they are a talented basketball team with a really, really good head coach. Uh, and it might have been shocking to think about this at the beginning of the season, but it's not shocking anymore. I think that those expectations have adjusted accordingly. Um, and, and so because of that, you've got a couple of juggernauts in the Big 12, and especially with the Jayhawks kind of faltering right now a little bit, and who knows what will happen tonight on the road in Waco you could have very well two teams tomorrow night in Ames battling for first place in the Big 12 and the two of them, like without even talking about Kansas. If Kansas loses, then they've got three losses in the Big 12 and it becomes a race, at least for right now, between Kansas State and Iowa State. Yeah, I think, I look, I think Kansas is better than Iowa State. Um, I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out TCU. I, I think I think that I okay this is this gets tricky right because like there, I think the difference in Kansas State Texas Kansas Iowa State TCU and Baylor is slim right now. Who do I think is, you know is the best team most talented whatever at the you know Kansas State's there. No offense to Iowa State can't put them there i love what they've done this year it's been awesome to watch and man they are playing well and it's so cool to see for may's grad caleb grill uh i will put tcu there i will put texas there and we'll find out a lot about baylor uh tonight which i'm curious to see again because i just haven't seen enough of them i've seen all these other teams play far more than i've seen baylor so i think they're all there but i do think kansas will be okay because i think they're more talented than iowa state they beat iowa state and, and I just say that because I, I don't think Iowa State's running the gambit here with just two losses, right? K-State's the team you worry about. If you're Kansas right now, K-State is the team you worry about. Sure. Because the way that they're playing, the different ways that they're playing, the different amount of stars that they have, 
it's like there is a picture, you know, coming together now. And I think KU fans will admit this and are comfortable with it, whereas they wouldn't have been a month ago. Like there's a real chance K-State can run through this with two or three losses. I, I mean, I and that and that I think is going to be enough. I, I Again, I, I sort of lean three to four losses for the champ, but I think K-State could do it because there's they're a real doing chance, it in so many different ways. There's a real chance that Kansas State is the best team in the Big 12. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's just the yes. bottom line. Um, and there's a real chance that Jerome Tang is the best coach in the Big 12. There's a real chance that mm. Keontae Johnson is the best player in the Big 12. Like, all I'll of these things are are legitimate right now. Um, and the other thing, keep in mind, if, if there have been all of these conversations about how many losses the Big 12 winner will have, and everybody's kind of settling on four, three or four, somewhere around there, if the Jayhawks lose tonight in Waco, they've already got three. And they've got a lot more games to play. Uh, and so the margin of error becomes super uh, small at that point. They got to win tonight. Um, they, they have to. It's, it's a must win. Uh, if, if Kansas wants to keep pace in the Big 12 race and it makes tomorrow night's game with the Wildcats and the Cyclones even more exciting. And, oh, by the way, a week from tomorrow night, we get Sunflower Showdown Part 2 in Lawrence. And that becomes a must win for the Jayhawks as well. Well, I, I think it bec- we got to see what happens this week. I don't even want to look farther ahead than tonight. Um, KU's got to have it, right? And and I do think it's a good opportunity for them, and we'll see this team respond to by far its most adversity this year. Bill Self's teams typically do a really good job of that. I, I, I like KU tonight. It's hard because I don't know a whole lot about Baylor, though. Uh, but I'll probably just blindly say this is typically a spot we see KU react well to. Different different teams, um, but we'll see. K-State, you just got to keep rolling this thing. Yeah, the going to Lawrence is, is out there on the horizon, but what I think becomes really important for K-State is they're getting to a point, and they'll only have – how many conference games do they Because I know they play Florida. Yeah, so they only have the game against Iowa State this week between now and then, but because of what TCU did – I mean, if you're K-State, that's that's not a must-win game for them to win the league at this point. And that's that's liberating, right? That, that's that got to be liberating if you're K-State. Like, we don't have to go to Lawrence and win to win the Big 12. We, we can lose that. You know, they're not thinking we can lose that game, but that's the reality. They can lose that game and still win the Big 12. And so yeah, that part of it is is interesting. they got to take care of business against Iowa State, going on the road to Ames at a weird tip time. And the other reason that's a pretty interesting game is because – and we've seen K-State, they did. They just did it against Texas Tech. But we've seen them slow it down. I, I think that they would like to play faster. Like, that's their that's their wheelhouse. But there's almost no chance Iowa State lets them do that, right? Like, Iowa State, I think, if nothing else, will dictate the pace of that game. And K-State's going to have to react to that and do it in a hostile environment and hit big shots and do the things and not make mistakes and not turn it over. And when they are open, they got to hit it. That's a pretty tough spot for K-State tomorrow night too. And we'll have more on that. Uh, but you, you talk about two critical road games for two teams. KU at Baylor tonight, K-State at, at Iowa State tomorrow. Great start to the week for our college basketball because both of those games are going to be awesome. Well, I think that it comes into the discussion about the adaptability of Jerome Tang and the adjustments that Jerome Tang can make. We've seen him do it multiple times so far throughout the conference season. 
um, if Iowa State is going to dictate the pace of the game, and they very well might, as you mentioned, but if they do, it's going to be up to Jerome Tang to make those adjustments for his team to be successful. Uh, and that's been, I think, the most, um, I've had the most revelation as far as the, the, the great coach that Jerome Tang is and, and what he's doing uh, that's unbelievable and remarkable at Kansas State is his ability to adjust. And he's got the personnel who are willing and able to do that as well, but winning in different ways. And going into hostile environments like in Austin and in Waco and getting big victories um, and playing in different ways to win basketball games, they're going to have to do that again tomorrow night. I think the difference for me with tomorrow night compared to the games a couple of weeks ago is that they've proven they can do it. And so until they prove me otherwise, I have no doubt in my mind that they'll be able to. I, I think that the Wildcats, I think they can win. I think they will win tomorrow night against Iowa State. I just think the talent level is that much better than the Cyclones. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm far more concerned about KU tonight than I am K-State tomorrow night. Um, it's just That's just the reality of what's played out. If K-State goes to Ames and loses, okay. KU needs this win way worse, right? And And we will get a chance to see some of the, you know, identity of this KU team because this team, this version of this team, right, has not had its back against the wall like this yet. And we're going to find out, you know, is there a world where they come out, play well, still lose, and you feel okay about that? Probably. Um, but if they don't, that's when I'll, I'll join the panickers. If they don't play well tonight, I'll, I'll probably be ready to say, okay, we got some serious concern here long-term. Because right now, even after the TCU loss, I'm not there yet because I, I still like when this team's at its best, the, how this team is designed. So we'll find out. You'll hear it right here yeah. on KFH tonight. I mean, it, it's going to be awesome. I love this game. Yeah, we, we know what the symptoms are. We know the, the recipe to get Kansas off its game and to get a victory against them. And you better believe Scott Drew's a good coach. He's been doing it for a long time at home on Big Monday. They're going to follow that same recipe to try to knock Kansas off. And, um, you know, Bill Self is, has proven to be great at adjusting. Uh, but we'll see if he's got the, the players and the bodies to be able to make that happen. They've got to find other guys than just Jalen Wilson to be able to get you buckets. And to your point, I absolutely agree. K.J. Adams cannot get into foul trouble. 869-1240. Uh, we'll go back to the NFL. Bad Monday for conspiracy theorists in the NFL who thought it was all rigged to get the neutral site championship game. We talked about it Friday, but that is really, really interesting. But it didn't happen for the NFL. Uh, we'll talk about that as we return on Sports Day. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, the NFL didn't get its wish. Right? No neutral site AFC Conference Championship game. I think, though, the NFL got what it needed to see well before any outcomes were even determined, and that that's, that's, there was interest enough to sell out a stadium for it. And that was what I was curious about. Tommy brought it up a few weeks ago when this scenario all played itself out, and I, I just couldn't see the instant ticket-buying power it needed from fan bases to get to these neutral site places without knowing enough ahead of time. Like the Super Bowl, you know where that is a long time away. The other part of it that still bothers me, and I'm totally with you now, I think the NFL wants to do this pretty badly, is how how do you get owners to ever sign off on this, right? Like how would you ever get the owners to agree to this? Because to me, it sounds terrible for the teams, right? Why would owners not want the chance to host a game? of that magnitude and how does the NFL ever convince them? And and I don't know if they have to convince them or if they can just do it. Uh, but ah, I don't know, man, like if I'm a team, like what's the benefit of this? Well, I think that first off for the owners, the league is going to have to convince them that they can make more money by doing a neutral site game uh, than by doing a game uh, in their home stadium. Uh, and so there's got to be revenue share that's attached to it. Um, there, there's got to be, other revenue streams somehow, but I, I, I saw this. I mean, I felt like it was telegraphed um, as soon as there was discussions about a potential neutral site game. And, and I had this thought, it was like, man, this is the N- the NFL wants this. Like they want to see if this will work because if they can make it a tourist event, if they can make it a spectacle, uh, then you've kind of got three games that are major spectacles. You've got the Super Bowl, obviously, is the cream of the crop. And then both the conference championship games become kind of mini Super Bowls. If you can find, you know, whether it's places like Atlanta or Vegas or New Orleans, domed stadiums in Phoenix, like things like that, uh, that could make a whole lot of sense for the NFL. Not necessarily for the teams, but for the NFL. So there would have to be, the the ownership would have to be convinced that, they're going to be able to potentially make more money off of this than if they hosted it at, at, at their home stadium. Yeah, it's um, it, but you know, it's it's everything that goes into it for the communities that the that the teams play for, right? Like now, you got to convince owners to go to 
you know, mayors and city councils and say, yeah, we're going to take away that opportunity for all these businesses around the stadium. And we know how you guys helped us build this stadium. But now the one thing is, yeah, if you can come up with some formula where everybody gets a chance to host it. Okay. Like if that formula makes sense. Okay. Like the draft or whatever. Think about it this way. Um, The AFC championship game presented by Doritos. And you've got naming rights right there. Um, we can do or, that anyway, though. But they don't. Be, and I think partially because it's not a, a spectacle. I mean, it is. But it's not a neutral site. Like, think of the, the college football playoff. You've got the semifinal games that all have naming rights. And then mm-hmm. you've got the national championship game that has naming rights. They're never going to slap that on the actual Super Bowl itself. Like, that's sacred. But you could easily do that and create an additional revenue stream. Also, But again... How does that offset the blow to these communities by not having the chance to host a game? For instance, well, I think if that's, I'm, that's part of it. Like that's part of the revenue stream is having. If I'm rights, since, all, yeah, but that doesn't help the businesses around the stadium. It helps the team, but it doesn't help the community. Like Cincinnati, let's say Cincinnati is the one seed. They they have forever waited for their ability to host an AFC Championship game, but now they got to go play in Phoenix. You think what? You think the you think the owners care about that? I don't think they really care about. Well, they that have to. I think they they care. have to in a lot of they senses care about their because own, they. Their yeah, own but they're revenue. asking. They're asking too many of these like too many of these communities have pitched in on the stadium bill. Now, not all of them, right? Like you know, the L.A. that was privately funded, so it, it, it's a mix, and that's where this gets interesting, right? Like, if you're L.A., you're like, heck yeah, let's have them because we'll have like every other year they'll come play here, and we built you the could stadium sell ourselves. Rights. You could sell you all of a sudden, like there is a scenario where you've got cities that are bidding on hosting the AFC championship game or the NFC championship game, paying a lot of money to bring it to the city because of the revenue streams to their city. And then at that point, maybe there is more money that can be made, not only for the NFL, but for the owners of these teams that would have to give up a home game to go to a neutral site. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm not arguing for this. I don't like this. I don't think it's the right thing to do, but it's not. All you have to do is follow the money, follow the trail. And there are places where the NFL can make more money off of this. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't understand that this is about, you know, financial incentive and and, and making more money. I mean, I think everybody's very aware of that. That doesn't even bother me. I mean, you're a business. You're trying to make as much money as you can make. Um, I just don't know how they're going to have to figure out a way to to soften the blow, I think. I think uh, for some of these teams and we'll see, maybe that's not as as important as I think it is as far as like liking it or not liking it. I don't really care on the field because it, it it should, it's probably irrelevant, right? There is a home field advantage, but you know, would, would I, would it bug me to, to not have Buffalo Cincinnati playing in the snow a little bit? Cause that's a cool thing that happens or all the games at Lambeau and all those things. Would it? But would it really take away if they were playing that game in a dome? Nah, it's fine. I'm telling you right now. Oh, it's happening. It's gonna happen. Oh, for sure. It's, it's gonna no happen. Question. It might not. It might not be a couple years from now, but I think that down the road, we are yeah. absolutely going to see neutral if, site conference title games. If at no sooner than the next time it can be collectively bargained, it will happen. I totally agree. They don't blast out to the world how many tickets they sold otherwise. I mean, that's the, that's the ultimate PR play of like, oh, look at how many tickets we sold. We should do this every... Like, they're they're definitely planting the seeds for that. Um, but I think how it happens will be pretty interesting for the teams and for the cities that host these teams. 
All right, we'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap on the networks today when Sports Daily finishes up the Monday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.